0: So hello again, Uh, this is Travis Schneider with RE Squared Robotics. And in today's episode, we're gonna talk about the nuts and bolts associated with uh, robotic arms. That is, we're gonna talk about the hardware components that make up a robotic arm. Uh, So joining me today is RE Squared's Director of Hardware Engineering, uh, Alan Bancroft. So thanks, Alan, for joining me. Oh, no, this is great, Travis, looking forward to it. That's great. So, So maybe just to get started here, Alan, Could you give us a little bit of background about yourself?
1: Sure. Uh, So I've got my electrical engineering degree from DeVry University and uh, also received my MBA from the University of Notre Dame. Also received my Six Sigma Black Belt from Virginia Virginia Commonwealth University, or VCU as they call it. Um, Been involved in robotics for over 32 years and learning stuff every day. Uh, I like, uh, maybe on a personal side, I have a wife and two wonderful children, uh, some of which uh, they've all been involved with robotics as well. And then uh, I enjoy racing cars and automotive sports in general. I prefer driving when when able, um, but uh, also a private pilot, enjoy flying as time allows and uh, like, like being outdoors. Yeah. That's a little bit about me.
0: Wow. So 32 years in robotics. So what, what initially got you interested in robotics?
1: Uh, Probably when I was about eight years old, if I remember back correctly, I remember seeing the M3-B8 Gunter robot on the TV show Lost in Space, which, of course, now they just call that robot B8, and I just thought, man, that was the most inspiring thing. I I never actually saw uh, a moving machine uh, as a a youngster, and I thought, man, that, that... that is really something and I, I was really intrigued on how it moved and how it worked around. You know, of course, uh, maybe as a lot of others in the world, you know, I, I made a nice cardboard mock-up of a robot and then realized after I made it, it actually didn't move. So it wasn't as exciting as the one I saw in Lost in Space. But I think just at a young age, I was just really inspired by the just the, the mechanical and the movements of, of that unit.
0: That's awesome. So, so you talked a little bit about, I guess, your I'll call it your hardware inspiration for robotic systems. One other question I've been asking a lot of the other participants in these, in these uh, episodes is uh, who inspires you? Do you have any personal inspiration that you look toward?
1: Yeah, I would say, you know, um, leaders as a general concept inspire me, you know, people that are really thinking out of the box, doing things that are maybe under, you know, calculated risks, doing things that, others haven't done before. Um, You know, maybe if I turned it a little bit more into a personal inspiration, I was very inspired uh, by Joseph Engelberger, who even to this day is considered the father of robotics. Um, I was fortunate enough to, right out of school, uh, right out of college, work for him under his guided uh, leadership uh, for several years. And I uh, got to know him on a personal level and uh, just very, very inspiring, very brilliant person. But it, I, there's probably dozens and dozens of leaders that uh, over the years I've uh, you know, I've gotten the opportunity to either work with or get to know or learn from. Um, so, yeah, I, I think just in general, I'm inspired by just generally leaders. Well,
0: that's definitely a, a fun fact for the day that I learned about Alan. I didn't realize oh. you had a, a personal connection there. Um, yeah. So, so maybe for this this next section, we'll, we'll start to talk a little bit more about the hardware specific topics and maybe just starting at a high level. Mm-hmm. Alan, could you describe for people maybe whom aren't as uh, intimately aware of or familiar with robots, some of the major hardware elements associated with a robot and its construction?
1: Okay. Um, so motors uh, are pretty, standard in robotic systems. There's all different types of motors, all different size types of motors. Um, I would say gearboxes or gear trains as we may call them, sensing systems, grippers or you know the the actual hands or the the types of things that might be used to move items around. Um, Certainly we have structural elements that would tie all those components together. Uh, It could be made out of castings, maybe aluminum materials, maybe carbon fiber, uh, magnesium in, in some of the uh, more sophisticated units um, steel and other such materials like that that are really used to just take all these components and put them in a housing and, and a form factor that's usable uh, to the customer okay and then that's great top of that we've got electronics and control systems and software and I would say those are probably the high level components
0: got it okay cool and and maybe another another question that I that I sometimes get from customers when talking about applications is, you know, so so we as RE Squared, we make a wide range of robotic systems with a, a wide range of degrees of freedom. Um, what do you think is most common in terms of the degrees of freedom associated with a robot? And, and can you explain for a little bit for people who aren't as familiar with robots, why that might be?
1: Yeah, um, sure. So. We have seven degrees of freedom in each of our arms. Um, So there are companies, and we have as well, made seven degree of freedom arms. Typically, those might need, applications may need that many degrees of freedom, especially if we're doing, which RE Squared focuses on, is human-like manipulation. Um, I would say, you know, from my perspective in industry, you typically see not as many seven degree of freedom arms. There's a lot of six degree of freedom arms out there. So there's usually a degree of freedom that isn't necessarily always needed in some applications. There's also robotic arms that have as low as one or two, three degrees of freedom arms. So it really depends on what the application is, um, to, to maybe make the robotic arms, uh, less, um, sophisticated. Um, so, but I would say, yeah, probably six degree of freedom arms are, are probably the more standard if, especially if you're looking at the industrial robotic industry in general.
0: Got it. Okay. And, and then maybe one other like application related question too. And again, this is kind of geared toward those people who might be interested in robotics, but not really know where to start. Um, are there some common application uh, topic areas or things to think about, things to document for people that want to get started, but just don't know where uh, to really get started? Again, robotics can be oftentimes intimidating, but I think you know, there, there's probably a couple of things that we could probably break it down to that, to try and make things a bit more um, straightforward.
1: Yeah, sure. No, a great question. You know, I think as a as a customer, some things that they should be thinking about is what is it maybe that they want to lift or what is it that they want to move? How fast maybe are they interested in having these objects be moved? Uh, how many do de- they may not necessarily know how many degrees of freedom. You know, typically, you know, we may have that conversation with them. Well, based on moving this, we probably need X amount of degrees of freedom. Some customers have done some research online and maybe said, hey, I think this seven degree of freedom type application is perfect for me. It's more human-like. Or they might say, look, I just need to pick something up and move it. Maybe a two degree of freedom might be something we can consider. So, but typically we'll help them sort of uh, dial into that. Um, Maybe they... Um, you know, we'll need to share with us what kind of power capacity that they're thinking about. Hey, I'm thinking about putting something in my, uh, in my plant, and I only have this much power. Maybe I don't have enough power to run a, a big industrial arm, but maybe I have lots of capacity to run things that are battery-powered, which, you know, of course, we focus a lot on. Um, they may want to share with us, or they may want to be aware of, you know, what kind of noise concerns would they have as they're having c- communication with us. Hey, I'm going to be using this robotic arm in this type of an environment. So that may need to be quiet or, Hey, look, we're going to be using this robotic arm outdoors and it's in a very noisy environment. So that's maybe not as important to me. And those are things that would help, uh, you know, help us for sure and help other robotics companies sort of help dial in on what that, um, you know, what that robotic solution might look like. We may have to have a conversation about weather conditions. You know, if we are going to be outside, is this going to be a really hot environment? Is this going to be something that may be exposed to rain or other bad weather conditions? Um, We'll have conversations about sensors. Hey, look, I'm really concerned about this robot potentially, you know, hitting this item. So we want to have a conversation with customers about, you know, the perception and the safety sensors that may be included with that. Uh, you may go as far as, hey, there may be applications. And this is more in the industrial world where they might, might want to put a cager on a robotic uh, system to make sure humans are not in there. That's not necessarily where we operate. I mean, we're operating in more controlled atmospheres where we're not necessarily... Um, worried about people, you know, coming into our workspace, but you know, you need to be sensitive to, you know, what the safety requirements might be and need to be.
0: Gotcha. And actually, some some of your uh, responses related to environmental concerns kind of actually feed into my next uh, question for you. So, RE Squared is a company, you know, we try to focus in on a lot of uh, mobile manipulation applications. So, I guess when I say mobile manipulation, what what does that mean to you?
1: Um, So to me, you know, maybe I'll start at the other end. You know, there's a lot of companies that industrial robotic Companies and they make solutions that bolt to the factory floor that robots not going to move. That's not really who we are I mean our mobile Manipulation is we're taking robotic manipulators. We may put them on mobile platforms um, you know to have them move around but in general, it's, it's you know, where, where I think of industrial applications, products are being brought to that workstation and that robot cell is doing something. The way I view RE squared is we are going to the point where we need to interact with the task. So we go and we do a task and then we may move and go to another place to do a task. Um, but we're very much more autonomy driven and more, um, you know, not necessarily bolted to the floor, just waiting to stuff, you know, for stuff to come to us. We are actually going to interact with the task directly.
0: Huh. That's, a, that's an interesting perspective. So instead of, you know, the infrastructure being set up to integrate to a robot, really what we're trying to do is adapt to the existing infrastructure and not have to change it up uh, on the part of our customers. I hadn't yeah. thought about it that way but that's a that's a really interesting way of, of uh thinking about it yeah um, from the
1: customer perspective it's probably much more cost effective to them oh you, you mean i don't need to change my environment and you can just come and do the task oh thumbs up i like that so yeah good summary for sure
0: that's great cool um and and just some other topics or some other questions here too for you alan so um you've obviously been in the the robotics field for a long time and and, um, you know, re Squares had the, the good fortune of hiring a lot of young engineers recently. Um, but for those who might be interested in a career in robotics, what advice would you have for them? Like, what sort of activities do you think they should get involved in? Are there things that they should be doing to kind of build up their resume? What What are your thoughts there?
1: I would say, you know, for, the, for a crowd that, you know, is maybe still in college, not quite sure, you know, or maybe even I'll start in high school. Uh, generally, there's a lot of um, programs maybe in your high school or in other surrounding areas where you can get involved with STEM activities, science, technology, engineering, and math activities. Some schools, uh, probably more so now over the years, have gotten robotic programs uh, in their curriculum. I would say, you know, you know, plug yourself in there. You'll start to learn things at a, at a very young age. Um, I would say as you start, you know, if you feel that, you know, engineering is um, – Robotics or engineering in general is a field that you'd be interested in. I would suggest the same things as you get into college, you know, get involved with robotics programs or get involved with any of the STEM related activities because you're going to learn something. Either it's maybe some hardware or mechanical design or electrical or you'll learn software. And as you get through your your college curriculum, you may start to realize that, look, I really enjoy writing software. I enjoy I write designing printed circuit boards, you may realize that, Hey, look, you know, I worked on cars when I was younger and now, I'm, um, you know, I'm more interested in the design of the mechanical structure. Um, and then as I would say, as you start to transition and, and looking for that first career path is, is is do your research, look at robotics companies around the globe. Certainly Pittsburgh has, I believe it's 62 robotics company. I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, uh, technology going on, even in, you know, right where we are and, and, you know, just share your passion about robotics with, you know, as you're interviewing folks, we've hired a lot of folks out of uh, STEM programs, as you pointed out. Um, And we've hired a lot of people that just, you know, quite frankly, have the passion to do robotics, even though they may not necessarily recognize if they want to do a certain discipline. Um, So one of the things I, I encourage people is, look, you know, try and get your foot in the door and getting your foot in the door with a robotics company might be that, look, I went to college, I'm a mechanical engineer, And that's my degree, but I've also have a passion for software and try and, you know, set that stage early that look, I want to learn lots of different things. Robotics, you know, affords that opportunity, right? There's so many different aspects of making a robotic arm and making a robotic arm, you know, go on a mobile platform and do very sophisticated tasks that there's a lot of opportunity to, you know, grow and navigate into different areas. But I think getting your foot in the door with just the passion and the interest you have in robotics is certainly a way to start.
0: Awesome. Well, that's that's some great advice. I guess, Alan, in, in closing, was there anything else that you wanted to, to cover today or any other topics that you wanted to, uh, to bring up?
1: Yeah, I mean, maybe nothing's very specific, but, you know, I look back on a, a career of 32 years and I hope I have at least another 32 years to go you know the the field of mobile robotics is constantly evolving you know i think back of the days you know even working with joe engelberger and you know you'd laugh if if i told you the type of really sophisticated things we were working on back then which now you know sits on my cell phone right and here we are you know 32 years later who knows what the technology is going to look like two years five years ten years from now and and the type of development and engineering that's going to be required to you know take these these systems to the next level um, so just, uh, you know, it's, it's a great and growing and thriving industry. Um, you're starting to see robotics in general, um, expanding around the world. And, um, you know, and once again, you know, as an engineer, whatever your discipline is, you know, there's probably, a, you know, a nugget of your experience in robotics that could be used, right. Um, to help these, these systems get, uh, to the next level. So no, I just, I'm fortunate and thankful. For the opportunities I've had to, to be involved with robotics, you know, 32 years ago, did I think I would 32 years later still be involved with robotics? Um, I'm, you know, just, I, I don't see any other career I'd want to be in.
0: That's great. Well, uh, I didn't have anything else for you today, uh, Alan, but, you know, thank you for your time and uh, thanks for, for sharing your uh, words of wisdom today.
1: Yeah, Travis, thank you for letting me be a part of this. This is exciting and I hope, uh, you know, I've inspired someone else uh, that will be seeing this, this broadcast to, to get in the, you know, get involved with the field of mobile robotics.
0: great. Okay. Thanks, Alan. Thank you. Since 2001, RE Squared Robotics has remained committed to our mission to develop innovative technologies that make a positive impact on the world. RE Squared is a leader in the design, development, and manufacture of human-like robotic technology, solving the most challenging applications in the world. If you would like to be contacted about a robotics application, please email us at myrobots at resquared.com. That's M-Y-R-O-B-O-T-S at resquared.com. To stay up to date with the latest RE Squared news, visit our website at www.resquared.com or you can always follow us on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. If you'd like to see more videos like this or videos featuring actual RE2 robots, please subscribe to this channel on YouTube.